Welcome to the Outsourcing Farmer podcast. I'm Gareth McDonald. Recruitment is one of the most complex challenges that sponsors face during clinical trials, with failure to find an adequate number of patients being cited as the cause of up to half of all trial delays. The key to successful recruitment is planning during protocol development, according to Joseph Kim, Clinical Operations Director at pharmaceutical firm Shire, who explained that setting realistic goals is critical. We haven't been good at using evidence, you know, data to support assumptions. Uh, you know, the worst thing that can be said by an expert is something along, along the lines of, uh, you know, these patients are falling out of trees, something like that. Once that's been sort of recorded and put into the minutes, you know, and the way that will affect an INE criteria is it's pretty much written in stone. Um, but there's never any data to support that kind of thinking. Okay, then what are the keys for implementing a, an evidence-based uh, strategy like this? First, you need to characterize the problem. So one needs to count up how many amendments are occurring because of INE criteria or operability, things that you could have controlled for. You could do a retrospective to do this. You can just count up the, uh, the numbers of amendments if you're tracking that sort of thing. If not, it's going to be a bit of a manual process. And Ken Getz and Tufts has given us some good numbers with regard to how expensive these amendments are, and that figure is coming in just shy of half a million per amendment. Um, so then it becomes very good to quantify how, how big the problem is in, in money uh, and all sorts of other pain points. Then you need to have access to aggregate data. And data is everywhere, uh, and oftentimes it's been very hard to pull out and to make it timely and fresh. Uh, and those, those sorts of suppliers are now cropping up all over the place, and the speed with which they can provide data is, is getting better. But then you need some sort of internal talent that can think broadly and creatively, because oftentimes the data is not a direct indicator of what you're, what you're question. Um, what you're questioning. And so you need to think about surrogates. So for example, if you're trying to count up uh, the numbers of patients with metastatic breast cancer, for, for example, in the claims data, it does, there's no claim, there's no code, diagnosis code that says metastatic. And so you have to find it through other, other means. Sometimes you can use a temporal um, tracking of, uh, of tumor types that go through more than one system. And then there's a reasonable assumption that, uh, you know, if it follows the rules, then you have a metastatic breast cancer patient, that sort of thing. Or, or you have to look at the drug uh, code. Fourthly, you need a streamlined process. You just cannot sort of come up with all these great ideas and just dump them onto the, onto the protocol development team. You need to work within their current processes as much as possible um, so you're not breaking their cycle times and, and some of the objectives that they've set. Now, where it makes business sense to do that, well, then it should be really compelling. And, so, and then finally, all this stuff will never go unless you have a good buy-in strategy. This obviously sounds like a lot more work. How much of a role is there for contract research organizations in helping uh, pharmaceutical companies use evidence-based trial protocol planning? You know, I'm surprised it didn't come from the CROs since they're the ones who need to operationalize the protocol anyway. But I think the whole change order paradigm has been sort of a salve for, you know, poorly characterizing this. And, you know, CROs and sponsors end up in a game of chicken, you know. How many change orders can I, can I do before you fire me, uh, kind of thing. And, you know, that's, that's kind of an overly uh, negative characterization of it. I'm simplifying it, obviously. But, um, you know, they've, they've relied on sort of a survey-based feasibility for so long. I think it's, it's hurt their reputation. And, and saying that you, saying something like, oh, I discount investigator responses by half, you know, that doesn't make you sound experienced. It just makes you sound old-fashioned. But, so I think maybe the problem has been, you know, this is an investment, and CROs are profit centers, and I'm not judging that. I think that's good. 
And so if there's not a good way to generate revenue from an investment, it's very hard to bring on as a uh, as, as an initiative. Um, but, but I think they are central to this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, they're the builder to the architect, and the builder needs to know exactly how realistic some of these designs are. Okay, so clearly you're saying that evidence-based protocol planning is something that pharmaceutical firms and CROs need to think about. Joseph, thank you very much for talking me through that today. For Outsourcing Pharma, this is Gareth McDonald.